Courtside Indiana podcast is brought to you by Metro Indy Basketball Fall League. The 14th annual Fall League runs from Sundays, October 11th through November 1st. For more information and to register, visit MetroIndyBasketball.com. Also, Box Out Sports, the best sports graphics platform. Built for speed and control with your organization in mind. Try it now for free at BoxOutSports.com. Welcome to episode 52 of Courts at Indiana podcast. I'm Jim Reamer and joined as always by Zach Tyler. Zach, how was your week? Hey, another good week up here. More snow, more cold. Some more snow supposed to be tomorrow. The usual, same old, same old. I think we're going to get the brunt. Yeah, you guys need a little more this of time, the sn- Of the snow coming the next two days, at least, uh, which may impact, it probably will impact schedules for games, at least tomorrow and Tuesday. Um, because there's a good game tomorrow. I, well, if if they still if they play McCutcheon and Anderson, not to get ahead of ourselves here, if they I'm going to head over there because I want to see more on those McCutcheon seniors, Fennessey's little brother, and and um, the gosh the the Gibbs kid that transferred from from. Uh, McCutcheon to Center Grove and back to McCutcheon. He he's playing really well as a senior and had a great game against Lafayette Jeff when they beat them. So um we are going to talk a little bit about CJ Gunn's commitment that happened last week. We we sort of speculated what was going to happen, added a little bit of a, a little bit of information before the before the podcast that we recorded. We're recording today at 1230 on Sunday, Valentine's Day. So hopefully you guys are all taking care of that. Um, so if anything happens after 1230 Sunday afternoon, then I'll have to add it to the beginning of this podcast. So we're going to touch on Gunn's commitment uh, along with some of the other stuff that we, we plan on talking about. Zach's going to – you've got finally got a chance to see Elevation Prep, right? Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about them and – we are going to next week, not f- sure just yet how we're going to do it or what we're going to do, but we're going to do something a little bit different next week for the state tournament draw. We may, it may be somewhat of a live feature. So we may invite a bunch of people in or anybody that wants to come in. I don't know that we would get rushed. Uh, I don't know what our real time, we've not done anything live. So people don't expect us to to do that so be curious to see how we go if we get a couple extra people in there asking some questions that might be fun um it might not <laughs> we'll see we'll see but zach go ahead and get us updated on uh recruiting and a couple of them i think really were even as we were recording last week just to get a chance to talk a little bit more about them so go ahead and get us up to date yeah so last sunday cj gunn committed to iu uh during halftime of the super bowl um Isaac Venzel also we had we mentioned him last week. He committed during the show to Merchant Marines. Yep. Um, Mason Brooks committed this week to Cornerstone. That's an NAI school in Michigan, uh, Grand Rapids. Uh, they play in the WAC conference. And then uh, Isaiah Swope got an offer yesterday from Southern Indiana. He's from down in Southern Indiana. He plays for Castle. Castle. Yep. The um, the. Swope's deal, that's his first non-JUCO offer, and I'm still sort of puzzled what's going on there. Um, I, I don't know his academic situation. I, I don't want to 
speculate without knowing, but it seems like to me, he's a, he's a D2 guy. And I, it seems like to me, he would be a, a great fit in the GLVC. And, and at some extent, especially as he, have, if he improves his shooting, which I've not seen Castle play this year. So I don't know what he's looking like. His ability to get to the paint and, and finish has been, and make plays has been his strength up to now. Just seems like to me, he, he could even have a, a low D1 ceiling as well. So, you know, Southern Indiana is obviously right there. They're stepping up and, and being the first D2 school to offer him. So it, it just seems like that's more of where he should be as opposed to the, the junior college stuff that he's getting. Not that that route's not a good route, especially if you want to go get re-recruited. And maybe that's maybe that's part of partly of what he's thinking about. But but you know, good for him to finally get that get that D two offer. And and I think there's going to be more to come. So, uh, Gunn's commitment. Had you see what have you seen Lawrence North yet? I haven't seen Lawrence North. I saw live. CJ, I mean, right? No, no. I saw CJ uh, last summer a couple times with Indy Heat up here in Fort Wayne. Yeah. What did you think of him? I'm going to go somewhere with this. I just wrote it on the IU Rivals site. I'm going to go somewhere with him. What did you think of him defensively? Did you get uh, much of a feel for it? Were you paying attention to that side of the floor? Oh, I mean, I mean paying attention of him on that right, side of the floor. Right. His length gave gave defend gave. I mean, not defenders gave uh, offense a little bit of an issue. Uh, maybe a tad slow right now. Compare I, I, I compare him a lot to. Uh, Tay Davis, yeah, right. He's the other, the other uh, junior, right, on that team, on that Indy Heat team. Sorry, uh, I think they can be very similar. I just feel like Tay, Tay right now, plays at a little higher level uh, than CJ. Defensively, like defensively, right, right, defensively. Uh, so yeah, defensively, I feel like CJ's length gives guys problems, but but other than that. I, I didn't really get a good feel for him defensively this summer in AAU anyway. And I've seen him, I mean, I've seen them play four or five games this year. I, I think a lot of him, I think a lot of his potential defensively, I think he's got a chance to be a plus defender. Definitely. Yes. At, at the high major level. Um, I, I get, you know, probably what you saw in him. My best guess is a footwork issue. Uh, but I really wanted to see him. I was disappointed that we've talked about this when Homestead played them. I was disappointed to not see Lawrence North just go out and guard them, you know, man to man and have him locked down on, on Goody or, or lawyer. And that never happened. And, but when he was on the ball, he was extremely good. And when he was, he, he pushed lawyer into a couple of different, a couple of mistakes, but their matchup zone Homestead just shredded it. And, you know, defensively against Carmel, you know, it was hard to say, and I'd wish I would have focused more on it. I mean, Lawrence North did not have a very good outing defensively against Carmel. Uh, Carmel kind of carved him up a little bit. And I think if they had it, had it over to do again or had it to do over again, they would probably be – they probably would have been more physical with Carmel. I, I think that's something Gunn can compete in. And where I'm going with this is when you look at rankings, which I don't, I don't at a national level and I don't put a whole lot of emphasis on rankings outside of where they, where they might stand position wise. I worry more about what level they project to be. Uh, I worry more 
uh, about their what their ceiling is and and not what they are. And I think sometimes the rankings, you know, nationally, there's not a whole lot of difference between 30 and 150. There, there just isn't. And, and you prove it shows up in a lot of these guys, how they get drafted into the NBA. If that's, if that's something that does happen. And where I, where I'm going with this is comparing him to Mikhail Bridges, who's with Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns. He was drafted by Philadelphia, uh, either late lottery or just outside the lottery and then traded immediately to Phoenix and, and viewed coming out of Villanova as a three and D guy. Now, Mikhail was bridges was a guy that played four years at Villanova. Uh, and he was a guy that was rated somewhere in the mid nine, mid eighties to early nineties in all these different top 100 rankings. And that's kind of where gun is right now as well without, I should have looked that up and I, didn't but I think he's in that range as well and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a one-to-one translation but but as people are wondering how good gun is or how good gun could be he just reminds me a lot of bridges at that age now bridges I'm trying bridges right now is listed as two inches taller I don't remember if bridges was that if he grew in college or not like I don't think he grew a lot but he might have still grown an inch or so in college um and I just look at Gunn and seeing him having that type of potential, maybe not the great defender that Bridges is, but certainly good enough to guard his position, certainly good enough to guard his position in the Big Ten, and maybe even higher, uh, you know, which implies that maybe, you know, he's, I think he's got some NBA potential because I think his skill set offensively is, I mean, he really can do it all offensively. Now the right. question is, is, is he going to bring a, you know, just really consistent desire to score a motor and just the willingness to hunt shots and 33 point game the other day, uh, the other day against Snyder or yesterday, right. Against Snyder. That's the kind of game he can put up there. I know Snyder's not great defensively, but that's still the kind of game that he can put up and, and not, not saying he's going to average 33 points a game, next year as a Vance and Hughes graduate, but, but that's the kind of play he can produce, um, you know, against good teams and Snyder's a good team. They just, they like to play fast and defensively, they don't have any rim protection whatsoever. So, right. so I, I, hopefully I can get a chance to find that game and get, and get a chance to watch it because I'm pretty sure that was CJ's career high, the high for high school. So. Um, talk to us a little bit about elevation prep, what you saw, what you thought, just not, and you go ahead and talk about them. And if I have specific questions, I'll throw something out at you. Okay. Um, so I got to see them yesterday. They played at Blackhawk, uh, Blackhawk, of course, coming off that tough game the night before against cathedral. Um, I don't even remember that final score of the game the night before. Do you have that? Which, which one? Cathedral Blackhawk game. Uh, Cathedral, I thought, won by about six or seven. Okay. I'll look it up. You keep talking. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that they that Blackhawk came out a little tired in that game, in the game this, uh, yesterday morning. Uh, obviously, they spent a lot of energy the, the night before, like I said. Yeah, Cathedral uh, won by eight, 86 okay. to 78. Okay. So, high-scoring game also. Yeah. Because uh, Elevation won 91-82. 
than yesterday. Yeah. Um, but anyway, elevation, uh, lots of athleticism. Um, Michael Ely wasn't there. Never asked anybody or talked to coach after the game or anything to see where he was. He wasn't um, even there physically. No, I did not see him. And that, and that could be anything this year. Right, right. COVID, uh, injury, you know, who knows? And I haven't, I haven't checked their, their scores to see if he'd played recently or not or anything either. Uh, elevation, they, they liked the outside shot. They shot a bunch of threes. They hit a bunch of threes, though, too. I think they – let me see. I had them for 13 or 14 threes – hit 13 or 14 threes. Uh, but just athleticism was way too much for Blackhawk in a game like that. Uh, size and length for elevation obviously is good, as, as you would expect a, a prep school to have like that. Uh, their roster, I can go through that quick and yeah, say where some guys are from. I, can, I have a list of who their offers are also and their interest, if we're interested in that. Yeah, let's go. All right, so Re- Reggie Ward. That's because I mean I'm going to want to know how like Bass did stuff like that. Right. Yeah, I'll get to that too. Definitely. Reggie Ward. Uh, he had 22 last night. He had one, two, three, four threes. All his points came in the second half. He didn't play in the first half for whatever reason. He's Where's from he Chicago. From? She's Chicago, Illinois. Okay. Six seven wing. Uh, he played really well. Like I said, in the second half. Uh, I'll just go right down the roster number-wise. Reggie Bass, obviously from Muncie, coming from prep school in Tennessee. Is that where he was coming from, Tennessee, right? Before? Yeah, he was at Hamilton okay. Heights in Tennessee. Hamilton Heights, that's what it was. But, uh, but obviously Muncie Central, so. Right. Uh, Reggie didn't shoot the ball too well. I felt like he passed really well, though. Very unselfish. Yeah. Uh, nine or ten assists I had for him. So he's not always looking to shoot. He's looking to get guys involved. Uh, pretty tough on defense. Had a few couple steals, a uh, couple rebounds. Like I said, though, didn't shoot well, which he, which kind of is his thing, is to hit from outside. But that wasn't happening yesterday. Luckily, they didn't need that yesterday from him. Uh, they have Ely, obviously from Fort Wayne. Uh, Caden Bontrager. He, we talked about him a few weeks ago. He just transferred over from Lakewood Park Christian. Right. Uh, six eight forward who was a junior in high school he had 16 and seven for them I felt like he played really well uh, knocked down some free throws hit a couple jumpers uh, some putbacks on the glass oh how what was his range like uh, he didn't shoot any threes okay. I made, made sure I kept that kept track of that but he did not shoot any from outside uh, played good on defense ran the court really well also I, I thought he played a, a really nice game for them uh, and that, that that was the first time I had ever seen him play. Also, did he match up with first, or how did uh, they? What, what were they doing defensively? No, he, they didn't. They had another guy, a seven footer from Romania, on okay. first. <laughs> so, so Bontrager didn't have to guard him. No. Uh, let's see who else they have. A Kevin McCoy. I don't know if he even played or he might not have scored. He's from St. Louis, Missouri, six foot guard. Uh, Tariq Humes, he had 18 for them. He's from uh, Detroit, Michigan. He had a good game, shot the ball well, handled the ball well. Uh, he's got one offer from Goshen. 
some interest from, let's see, Kentucky State, Clark Atlanta, Central State, Wayne State, and Purdue Northwest. So NAI as it looks like, and I'm not sure what some of those other ones are. Uh, then they have Cheval Butters from the Bahamas. He's a 6'8 dude. Uh, he didn't do too much either. Um, let's see. He's got Austin Pay an offer from them. UNLV interest, Texas State. UNC Greensboro interest. Uh, Rasheed Jones, I was really impressed with Rasheed. He played really well for them. He had 25, hit all nine of his free throws, uh, scored in every quarter, hit from outside, took it to the rim, finished inside, had a couple dunks. Had rebounded the ball well. I, I, I was really impressed with Rashid uh, for them. Uh, Marion really misses him, I feel like. Well, all, all that talent. Well, so was they, they won by eight. Yep. Was it that? It was it an eight-point game or was it? No, it was that. It Was Was that, it a tight game that grew to eight or a big lead that, it was, you know. It, hu- like, it was hovered around. Into- it hovered around that the, they never got, I don't think got past 10 or 11. I mean, uh, Blackhawk never let it get away from them like that. I mean, it showed in there. They were fighting hard. Uh, first didn't score till three minutes left in the second quarter. I don't know if that hurt them. Uh, Burke was doing a, a lot of the damage for them. Then he had 14 and a half. First only had four. Uh, Burke finished with 28. First finished with 23. He got it going in the second half. Um, they were and, just, I, and I know I underrate those guys, I, you know, but it seems like to me, if Elevation Preps got, got all that talent, right? they should be able to, you know, they should, you know, defensively, they should be able to have some sort of cohesive plan to, you know, to contain those other guys, especially if they don't necessarily feel like they have to, if they have the the, the personnel to not have to, devote so many so much resources player wise to first right right and and like i said how they, they guard the, first did they just they, guard straight up they had the seven footer on him yeah. uh when, when he wasn't on him they had uh one of the other bigger dudes six eight dude on him uh they tried to front him here and there they would stay behind him a little bit they would double up double him double down on him when when he got the ball so, and there were times when they just let him go one-on-one and were able to, to stop first. So, right. but first does a good job of finding his teammates as well. I mean, Boyer had nine for them. He had three threes. Like I said, Burke went off. He had 28. Uh, Davidson had 15. So he played well also. Uh, I mean, obviously Elevation just had too many guys. And Burke's scoring. probably the one that I undervalued them the most right he's 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 proven more times than not that he's capable i i just look at games like cathedral and think well you know they're probably going to have trouble with that the speed of the game and cathedral is going to be able to match up with them physically and it's just going to be first that that keeps him in it that's that's a bias on my part that's a small school bias big school bias how whatever you want to have it sure and that's also a cathedral bias because you know they're well coached and and they've got that caliber of talent at, at most every position. Um, right. Do we know what Burke had against them? No, I, I don't. Okay. But 
I you mean, know, he showed, he, he showed he could hang with these dudes last night, obviously, t- scoring 28 on them. I mean, if, if Blackhawk was playing the Central Indiana schedule, they wouldn't be 17 and three. Now, that doesn't mean that that wouldn't make them any worse of a team than they are. They just would have a different record. And my point is, is that I think Elevation Prep should probably be doing to teams what like um, Lalamere did to, you know, did to Brownsburg, which was just kind of smothered. And they didn't really blow Brownsburg out. This was like two years ago. They didn't really blow Brownsburg out, but they realized that particular Brownsburg team didn't have any outside shooting and they just completely smothered smothered them into the paint. They basically right. made everything come to the paint and and all that size and length it just really bothered Brownsburg. Now maybe this I mean that's possible this Blackhawk team is probably a better team than what that Brownsburg team was two years ago. Um but I guess I was I'm expecting if you've got Bass, if you've got if if you've got um Jones and then you've got all these other all this other athletic size or this talented size that you should be able to you know be a position by position a better matchup. Right. How were they did they you know I looked at does the ball stick like what are they doing offensively? What are they doing overall defensively? Were they they were were they pretty much man the whole game or were they? Yep. Yep. Man the whole game. Uh, didn't, didn't get any kind of zone or anything that I yeah. recognized. Uh, offensively, they're shooting deep threes and guys crashing the glass or getting it in the post and kicking it out for threes. Uh, like I said, Cademan had a couple nice jumpers from the elbow where they ran a, ran a couple plays for that. Uh, but that was about it. I didn't really see much other, uh, many other plays offensively. I didn't, you know? Yeah. I wish we could find their. Do we know where we can find their schedule? We, 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 you and I have talked about that off the air, but yeah, I'm not sure. They don't have it on their website. Correct. Uh, I haven't seen it on there. Yeah. I haven't looked for a while. I'd like to see him play. And I thought at one point they did have a schedule up there because I think we teased it <laughs> it's like they're they, they play like four or five really good schools and the rest of it is just not very good so well i mean obviously my my bias against prep schools is non-specific i you know i don't know other than a different type of culture in terms of school and living arrange you know living situation and you know i don't and, and travel the, the the lack of travel restrictions. I don't know what any of these guys get out of it at any school, not just elevation prep at, at any of these schools, even, even the, you know, the boarding schools, I, I guess if they're going to traditional, if they're going to traditional high academic prep schools, especially those in the East coast, and, you know, La La Mer is a, you know, is a legitimate prep school. It's been around for a very long time. The school has, right? You know, there's there's some differences there, but but I can't imagine these guys are getting a whole lot of academic prepping, other than how they learn. You know, with you know, considering the travel involved. But anyway, like I said, it's just 
my bias and I, I need to go watch him play and, you know, need to dig more into it. But I just think this, the basketball in the state is perfectly suited for developing kids and, you know, but, you know, again, there, there might be some other reasons too, which is some of what was cited when Bass left to go to Hamilton Heights in Tennessee was they felt like he just needed, he needed to be in a, you know, a more contained environment and, and would, would help him academically. So, right. I mean, and I feel like in Bontrager's uh, position too, being at Lakewood Park, he's not, not playing the, probably a, uh, a tough schedule like this could potentially be yeah planning planning as better guys on at, at practice and stuff too sure practice wise yeah i mean i again we you know we researched some of the teams on the schedule that we saw at the beginning of the year and that they just none of those teams looked very good outside of maybe like we said the two or three that they actually play but now we can't find their schedule um it's not published anymore on their website. At least it wasn't as of what, when we talked last week in preparation for this week. So um, anyway, well, we, we talked to, we'll see, we were going to talk more about gun. We did that. We talked about elevation prep. I guess now it's time to move to weekly features, right? Yeah. Best games, best teams and best performances. Uh, you want to go ahead with your best game? Yeah. Best game. I'm going to stick with uh, my Friday night game. That was St. Joe versus South Bend St. Joe versus Mishawaka Marion. Sorry. You central Indiana people get those confused. If I don't add the cities in front of them. Oh, the Mar- Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Holy, part. the Holy, Holy Wars. War. It's known up here. Uh, wasn't a disappointment at all. Great game. Came down to a few possessions in the end. Uh, J.R. Knezny, the, Notre Dame commit had 40. So he filled it up for St. Joe. Uh, so he was two thirds of their, well, 40 points out of 60. Yeah. I wonder how many assists he had. Uh, I wrote down a few, but not too many. So that's a pretty large chunk of their offense. Yeah, definitely is. Uh, they, St. Joe never led, or I guess I shouldn't say that. They didn't have a lead at the end of any quarter. I should say that. Um, I feel like Marion just their their defense was tough. Refs were letting them play. Uh, too many weapons for Marion compared to the weapons for St. Joe. I should say the role players played better for Marion than they did for St. Joe. Obviously, because right. I mean, there's well, Marion 50... doesn't have a dominant score, do they? I mean, right? Deglin Sullivan had 29. Richard Brooks had 20, but. Deglin's not going to have 29 every night. I think that was a career high I saw somewhere. So, I mean, no. We, I saw St. Joe against Homestead, and they were just terrible defensively. Yeah. And, again, a lot of that scheme, it goes back to the Lawrence North comment where, you know, you wondered, LN, my, my issue was just the scheme of it because normally they're a very good defensive team. In fact, right. they've, they've proven that. But – the Homestead St. Joe's game, I mean, Homestead jumped them from the start. St. Joe's had no no resistance to them at all on the defensive end of the floor. So if, when you say Sullivan comes up with 29, 29 is still a good number. I, but it wouldn't have shocked me that he would have gotten at least a season high in that game. Right. Um, 
I mean, and he was getting to the, the basket anytime he wanted. That was the biggest part. And that's so, not normally his game. So Right. Not all the way, at least. Not he, all the he way. Does, he does look to probe. I, their, their game against LC, he was never bashful about probing, about getting to the, you know, getting a paint touch and trying to create. And Brooks was just a tough SOB that game. He just was not going to – he battled every single possession. Oh, and I love those, Richard. Yeah, both those kids have really good motors. Yep, yep. And and um, against else against Lawrence Central, Brooks didn't shoot well early, but then came around and had a good second half. And and if I remember correctly, he hit the he hit the game winning shot. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Correctly. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so so in this one, he shot early. He shot better early than he did late. Uh, and then and Sullivan hit a hit a couple threes in the fourth quarter that were pretty big. He had 14 in the fourth, uh, finishing at the rim, like I said, and then he got some open looks from three and just knocked them down. Uh, that was the difference. I mean, him and Brooks were great. Kale, uh, Kaleo Kakalia was really good all around. Yeah, he was hurt against – he really didn't play much against LC because injury. How was – how did he do? I mean, he, I've always loved – his athleticism and he's he's always at least the games I've seen been pretty active on the glass. And that's and that's how he was in this one. He had uh, eight re, eight eight points. I think I had him for ten rebounds. Had a couple of nice blocks. Uh, didn't get sped up. He he was was really good with the ball. Didn't try to score or force anything when he had the ball in the post. Really good at kicking it out. Uh, he just had a really good all around game. Played really good on defense. Uh, and and I was impressed with him in this one. He he's a kid that really needs to show more of an offensive game facing the basket. Yeah, just more more range, I should say, because I right. think he can catch, drive. He he can get he gets good coverage <laughs> off the dribble, and he can definitely finish. Um, the the key is is he going to have that jump shot to right. force people to you know even at, even at mid range just close out on him. So right. <laughs> Uh, my best game of the week was Greenfield or Greenwood at Plainfield. It's kind of an odd game because it was there. Greenwood didn't really shoot the ball well until the game was in hand. I mean, it wasn't a blowout. Plainfield could never just put them away. Both teams played exceptionally hard. Uh, Plainfield was out early to an eight-point lead, or like they, they led eight. They led by eight at half, 19 to 11. Greenwood really took the air out of the ball a couple of times when they were trailing. Once they were trailing 14 to seven, they took the air out of the ball. And I, I do think their their pur- purpose for doing that was just not letting Plainfield speed the game up. And not that Plainfield looks to play exceptionally fast. I just think that the way Plainfield was playing – Bradburn at Greenwood, the head coach there, Joe Bradburn, was just basically trying to break whatever whatever momentum that Plainfield was starting to gather, and and it worked. They they cut the lead down to about two points. They played they played around that level for a few possessions, and then Plainfield went on what I believe was like a an eight zero, and then maybe twelve to two run, and kind of put it away. But what I liked about the game is. I mean, Plainfield, both these teams played really hard. So that that was the best part. And it, and it might be that I didn't see a lot of great games this past week. 
because it wasn't like a thrilling end of the you know end of the game end of the clock type situation. But you really liked how both how hard both teams play. It was the first time I've seen Greenwood play this year. About the third time I've seen Plainfield. Plainfield's length is going to be a problem come March for people. Uh, they they're one of their better athletes. Six two kid um, is then after that it's all. Hang on a second. I'm trying to pull the microphones getting in the way of my face to, or my face ID here. Uh, Dane Gardner is their shortest starter at six two, and he's he's a pretty good athlete. Looks like a football player, and but he's also their their point guard. He's their primary ball handler, and then they go straight to six four, six four, six six, six seven, and all those kids. All five of them are skilled. They're interchangeable defensively. I tweeted during the game, we're going to have to maybe, I need to probably go in there and add a little bit to Ian Scott's stuff that, that we did last week on the five on five. He's more mobile and used more in their perimeter offense than, than what I gave him credit for. He still doesn't, doesn't show any three point range, or at least he did in this past game, but they definitely run a lot of dribble handoff action with him where he's, he's the handoff guy. And then he's the rim run guy. And he's, he's very good in the mid-range, not just at scoring, but also in, in finding the next guy. Really, in, just really enjoyed watching that, watching playing field function. And, and uh, they, they are going to definitely be a problem. They start four seniors. Uh, Vanderbush, Cale Vanderbush is their only underclassman starter. Uh, but, but that senior class is, it's just huge. And they don't, they don't have a very deep bench. When they do, it's it's another six five kid. It's it's Kelson Stenborn, um, but those guys are you know are going to make some noise. Now they could very well get beaten sectional. It's not like they're gonna they're not vulnerable. They're not invulnerable, um, but you know that for them it'll be they're just going to be a different type of team. They got length at every position, and I don't think anybody else in the state can do that really so homestead may be the closest to that yeah um but yeah that was my my game of the week so what what about your team of the week who was your better your best team performance or the team you were most impressed with so i ended up making it to fort wayne carroll there you go uh after a fun fun end of the week with that uh, yeah, we'll be polite and not yeah. beat that to death. I mean, look, we've had great reception all year from athletics directors. All year. Um, normally, normally in a given year, for those that don't know, you, you sign in and a lot of times you do have to show, you know, at least a business card or a credential of some sort. And, and this year, and some conferences like the MIC had gone to a list, you know, in years past or because – there are more and more digital media entities popping up. Some, you know, are just kids trying to make highlight videos and, and break into the business. Some are legitimate businesses like in the gym hoops and, and, um, uh, Jeremy, um, uh, on it. I'm going to forget his name. Why? I need to write this stuff down. Anyway. Um, the guy that used to work with Felix Rogers, Jeremiah, that's Jeremiah bus bustle is he does his own things. I mean, he actually works for a, a video production studio now. So these guys are legitimate professionals and 
when I saw that email that that he sent you, the 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 Glenders, is it Glenders, the, the AD at Carroll? When I read that, and he talked about drawing the line, and he talked about your guys, and you kept Ginder. putting it in quotes, your guy, my guy, you know, and and then he referred to them as their guys. So I thought that was ironic. But I'm okay with drawing lines, right. but man, do a little research on the, the lines you're drawing. And then to find out that he sent the same email to, to other people, like word for word, just fucking blatant laziness. It just was unprofessional. It, it was a lecturous tone. He has no clue who he's talking to in terms of not, not, not in level of importance, but just in level of professionalism. You know, you, you've, You've worked for this website for, for two years. I've been, an, I've been a credentialed uh, media guy since 2004. Trevor Andershock has been doing this since 2004. Eric Gardner has been doing this stuff. Uh, maybe not as long, but, but definitely the last decade, he's been a presence in this state. You know, and it's sports coverage in this, in this world is, is changing. Uh, it's, it's going to be fewer and fewer newspapers. It's going to be more and more websites like the stuff that is popping up in this state, you know, and yeah, some of them are a little, are a little better looking than others, a little slicker than others, but you know, we're doing things the right way. We're reaching out to people we need to reach out to. And especially this year with all the COVID stuff, we've not had any issues and we've emailed every single AD of every game we've gone to this year. Yep. yep. And Outside of one situation at Perry Meridian, uh, you know, I had a deal with Southport where he didn't get my email and that's, you know, and that's as much on me for, you know, maybe not doing it soon enough or, or, you know, not, not setting it up soon enough. But the, the only other situation I've had this year is Perry Meridian saying they had their allotment of media guys there and got there and it was just one. I mean, I paid my way into that game. I don't, Hell, I don't mind paying my way into any game. I'm, this year, I just want to make sure we get in. Right. Don't want to go somewhere and get turned away at the door. So, right. and this is my first. This is the first time I've been turned away this year. This is your first time, uh, yeah. Barney. While while Barney was doing games for us, he didn't get turned away at all, and he was concerned about getting turned away because I think he feels like he had ruffled some feathers when his son was going through. Um, and maybe they didn't consider him legitimate. That those were his words, not not mine. But even in his, even in setting up some of his credentials, because he felt more comfortable with me doing it, we got not, I mean, no resistance whatsoever. Everybody with open arms, all the mixed schools here in, in, in Indianapolis, so the Indianapolis area have, have welcomed uh, my requests, uh, ex except once. And you know what? The Warren Central guy, um, the assistant athletics director got back to me in like 30 minutes and said, you know what, this game, that was the South Bend Adam game, Adams games. He said, we've gotten a, a larger rush of media. He says, I'm sorry, we only we gave out our allotted spaces. And I was fine with that because I ended up going to Jeffersonville and Lawrence North anyway. Um, I was basically setting up games. Well, they, no, they switched the time, right? They were, they switched the yeah, Jeffersonville Lawrence that. North game. I yeah. was trying to do both games that day, but I would have ended up not going to that game anyway. So, but everybody down here has communicated and, and even the couple of times where, we, where we've been told um, their media allotments 
been used up. It's just been that simple. This was the first, this was the only time all year we've been freaking lectured. Right. The, the my guy, your guy, our guy, things and quotes. I'm not sure what that guy was thinking. Um, we're just trying to cover the state of Indiana. And, you know, we're there to see players. We're there to see teams. And in my case, I'm there to watch how I enjoy watching how teams are coached. I, I enjoy watching try to I try to learn because I obviously have a team that I coach. So I try to find things in every game that I can use or or even not use like, you know, hey, that that's not you know going to work well for us. But but anyway. All right. So Carol Carmel, <laughs> one of those teams I'm assuming is going to be your with that being said. Role. My rant yes. is over. Yeah, and it was a carnival game, no doubt, that had nothing yeah. to do with me. So, you know, it wasn't me making the request. It was <laughs> Mr. Tyler here. That's right. And yep. um, But, again, I want to underscore real quick, all the other athletics directors have been outstanding. Oh, outstanding. And I don't admire – or admire – I don't envy the position they've been in no. with all the scheduling. It's crazy. Yes. Um, anyway, we – go ahead. Yes, shout out, shout out to athletic directors up here in my part of the area too, South Bend, even Fort Wayne now. Uh, between here and Fort in. Wayne, I still got in. And I, really, that's I ninety percent of it. That's what that's what I'm more worried about. I don't want to get to a gym and be turned away. Right, that's it. right. Uh, all the region schools have been awesome with me. It's just it's been a great a great this year for the ads, and I appreciate it. Uh, so anyway, best team, it it's going to be Carmel. I know you're you're happy to hear that. I'm bummed um, out because <laughs> I missed they, the game. I wanted to see that game. Yeah, I would have loved that. That you you kept posting the scores, and that's exactly how the game went last year. And then they started coming back. Carroll started coming back, and then Jalen got hurt, and that ended. Yeah. So I was waiting to keep, see this push from Jalen again, especially yeah. with Waddell not playing for Carmel. They could, you know, they could get a little stagnant, but it didn't. And the the game pace was very slow, very methodical. Yeah. I mean, that's how Carol likes it too. I'm not sure. I haven't seen Carmel this year, so I I know that's. I'm not sure if that's how they like it. If they're they willing to work fast. for it, they're willing to work for a great shot, but they will turn your defense into their offense. Right. So it, teams it, press Carmel, and they. And they don't turn it over. They will. They will work to beat you in the back end. And and they were. I was tweeting about it a lot. They were very methodical. They were very good on offense. They ran what they wanted to run. They took their time. They didn't do anything stupid. None of the guys were taking dumb shots or making dumb passes. They were. Everything was nice and crisp. Suter took took Jalen out of the game. Jalen had 12. He worked for all 12 of those points. Some of those were not on Suter because maybe Suter switched on to somebody else and Jalen got open for something. Oh, he got – so he guarded Jackson. Suter was on Jalen Jackson, yes. Okay. Uh, locked him down, though, I thought. Did a very nice job on him. Suter got his own also. Had 17. Knocked down uh, free throws in the fourth quarter to seal it for Carmel. Uh Carmel's depth showed they they went four deep onto the bench, uh, and that's without Waddell playing. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, uh, I don't think Bonds played or Weldy. Either one of those usually get in. No, no. Bond, so yeah, Jared played a lot in the Bar Reeve game just because 
well, not just because, but he deserved it. Jared played a lot in the the, the Bar Reeve game and the Anderson game because that was a time when um, Charlie Williams was out. Okay. And then especially against Bar Reeve, uh, Frischy got in foul trouble. And Jared then got, got a chance to get some good varsity minutes. Then the Anderson game, the same. Charlie Williams wasn't playing. And I would, I would measure, look, Jared Bonds and, and Spencer White are two sophomores at Carmel. Sam Orm is a sophomore at Carmel who's, who's his JV days are done. Uh, but those other, those three kids would play and start in a lot of varsity teams. Sure. And, and get a lot of minutes. So Carmel sophomore class is extremely deep. Good for me. Good for them. Yeah. Um, fun for me, but, uh I wouldn't. I wouldn't doubt one bit if that Anderson game wasn't a reward for how he played in the Bar Reeve game. Uh, he made. He made. Uh, um, he made Hope work his butt off. And after the game, Hope's dad, who, who I'd gotten to know a little bit, he's like, "I don't know who they, you know, I don't know who those kids were, but they beat the crap out of my son." And I'm like, "Yeah, well, that's fine. <laughs> they did." And Kurt had a good game, but yeah. So Bonds, but Bonds normally gets ninety five percent of his minutes at the JV level. So he probably him not playing is in a varsity game is not is not a surprise at this point, just because okay. of what's ahead of him. So uh, yeah. So in the fourth quarter, Leary Leary hit a big three, not a, hit a couple free throws. That, those were his only points of the game, actually. Uh, so he helped kind of seal it for him. Otherwise, it was Suter and, and Williams in the fourth quarter that that closed it out for Carmel. Uh, Wack didn't score. He he played really good defense. He picked up a couple fouls early in the game and, and was out for a lot of the first half. Did uh, so? Did he start on Jackson or did Suter start on Jackson? Or were you? I I wasn't paying attention right away. Okay. It, it wouldn't surprise me if Wack started on Jackson because Jalen got in the got in the paint and posted up. So that might have been who was guarding him. Or, or he might have gotten into a switching situation where Suter wasn't on him and, and had a couple paint touches and Jackson 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 scored Jackson scored that uh, and then Wax, what, five after that. Wack is like his older brother Jalen is just a tremendous defender. So, right, right, and, and maybe Jalen was too strong for Wack if that's if that was the case in the first half. I don't remember recall who was guarding him right away. I just noticed Suter had switched to him later yeah. on in the game and it would made a huge difference. So with Waddell back, I mean, I can see how Carmel could be an easy state favorite to win it in 4A. And they have the personnel that the, they had the personnel to really get at Homestead man to man. Right. And that's the regional matchup. Then the semi-state matchup for either one of those teams and it's not a you know it's not a fait complete that Carmel will win a sectional. They lost to Fishers. Um, I think Hamilton Southeastern probably on a better day will give them a better game than what happened this past week. Um, they they aren't they don't overwhelm people, even though they've had a couple of games where their execution has just been extremely crisp and and I don't say flawless. But certainly not the kind of mistakes that change that change possessions and 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 give the other team easy opportunities. So, and, that, um, and that's exactly what happened against Carroll too. And exact Gary, you know, Gary West looms literally large. 
And, and so would Valpo. You know, those two teams, with, with the size they have and, and the, the skill size they have, that's, that's going to be some good stuff and, you know, some good potential matchups at a semi-state level for whoever comes out of the Logansport Regional. So, yeah. Um, my best team performance of the week was Wapahani. Saw them Tuesday night against Eastern Hancock. Both those teams are having excellent years. Both those teams play a lot of young, a lot of young guards. Um, and I was surprised. I mean, Wapahani shot the ball extremely well. They got whatever shot they wanted. They're both those teams are three point range dominant teams. Uh, Eastern Hancock has has one of the Spalding twins that definitely is capable of, of penetrating and making plays. Wapahani is two young kids. Aiden Franks is a is a uh, is a six foot junior or sophomore, excuse me. And then Isaac Andrews is a six foot one inch freshman. They lead Wapahani in scoring. Both were excellent that game. Uh, both are good shooters. You know, Andrews is actually a little physically stronger, even though he's a year younger. But Frank's, for those who don't know, Frank's dad, Shane, played at Twin Lakes back in the in the 90s when Twin Lakes had some good basketball teams. Probably would have made more noise if there was if there had been class basketball back then. His dad's also was a referee in Indiana for a long time. Uh, so both those kids, Wapahani's got a lot of young guys. They've they've got four seniors. I don't know how much any of them produced um, in the game against Eastern Hancock, but but they were impressive in their execution and certainly in their shot making and. Um, Franks and Andrews are the, the two key components on them. So that was my best team performance of the week. Who was your best player or best player performance of the week? Um, I'm going to go with, with Deglin Sullivan from okay. Mishawaka Marion. Sophomore guard, played extremely well in a huge matchup with St. Joe, like we talked about earlier, which was my best game. Uh, put the Knights on his back there in the fourth quarter. 14 points, couple threes. Like I said, he got to the rim, finished at the rack. I mean, this dude is just six foot. He'll take a beating all game, still go back for more. Um, tough as nails on defense. They, I, even though they play a match, they, they play a zone, he's still so tough on defense at the top of that zone. Just a solid sophomore player. And, and I'm looking forward to the next couple of years of seeing him here at Marion. Yeah. He, I like how he, he does anticipate gaps pretty well. He'll get deflections. I don't know how many outright steals. Again, I just saw the Lawrence central game. So, um, but he's definitely a, a scrappy physical kid. So yeah. Yeah. Another scrappy physical kid is, is my player performance of the week. Quentin Bragg from Brownsburg had 23 against Fishers. Saw more playmaking out of him than I had seen in the past. Definitely saw more range out of him than what I had seen in the past. They played this past week, or they played a couple of games this past week without Luke Lacey, their their normal starting point guard. Uh, Quentin and Pierce Thomas had to assume those positions or had to assume those that responsibility, share that between them. Uh, and he was excellent against Fishers. I mean, Brownsburg controlled that game pretty much from the start. And what I liked about the what I liked about that game, what I liked about Pierce Thomas was that he recognized that Quentin was having a really good game. 
and, and fed him. And the ball never stuck with Pierce, which is a, which is a compliment to Pierce. And, and Bragg was a guy that, you know, they run a lot of ball screen motion, uh, you know, ball screen continuity offense. And, you know, Bragg was able to find, find plays and, and find gaps and, and, and make plays. And, and when things broke down and got loose, and Brownsburg was moving the ball, they found him, and, and Quentin uh, took advantage of it, shot the ball well. And they're going to need – if they get any cons- if they get any outside shooting, Brownsburg could be a problem, in, in, especially in the sectional. Because um, that's the one thing they've not had. They had it last year with Lucas and with um, Jacoby. Uh, that was his first name. Those two kids graduated. They have not been able to replace it. But Bragg is a good enough shooter. Certainly Thomas is an improved shooter. But, I mean, they had those two guys last year with an improved Thomas. This year they've not had any of it other than an improved Thomas. And if they can get that kind of performance from Bragg, then then they're, they're going to be the, a really tough challenge for Plainfield in the sectional. So, you know, that'll be a good sectional to look forward to. I'm going to double-check and make sure they're in the same sectional. For some reason, I think they moved. <laughs> they did not. It's just the Terre Haute schools are in there with them. Okay, so that's what I thought. I knew Plainfield was with Terre Haute schools. I couldn't remember. So I mean, that's going to be, you know, and even Avon. Avon, Avon's four and twelve, but three of their wins are against sectional teams, um, including a win over Brownsburg. Uh, they have not played. Uh, they have. They have played Plainfield. They lost him in overtime. So those teams are pretty evenly matched. And so I, you know, as much as I think Plainfield looks really, really good heading into March, uh, Brownsbury's good enough. They, if they get an outside shooting threat heading into that game, they'll, they'll be definitely a, a big problem for, for Plainfield because Brownsbury's really good defensively. So, um, what games, upcoming games this week? Any just, and again, we don't, we can just narrow it down to the games that maybe we plan on going to. Not that, not that you're beholden to it if you say it, but. Right, right. What game are you looking uh, forward to seeing this week? I, I, I wrote down a handful of games throughout the week. I'll probably, I'll run through a few of those. Uh, Tuesday night, Chesterton's at Hammond. I feel like that'll Ooh, yeah. be an interesting game on Tuesday night. Um, I'm, I'm probably going to, go to CMA at Victory Christian on Thursday night. I was hoping to do that. On, they were supposed to play at Merrillville Saturday, but I guess that game had been canceled a few weeks ago, and Merrillville just doesn't update John Harrell this year as much as other schools or not are not worried about it, I guess. Uh, so that game ended up getting canceled. So hopefully I'll get to see Culver Military, Cooper Farrell against Victory Christian on Thursday night. Uh, then we got Chesterton and Valpo again. So more Chesterton yep. on Friday, Friday night, Munster and Andrean that night also. Yeah, there's a uh, lot Riley, of good games up there Friday. Riley at Adams on Friday night as well. Adams uh, is up two games in the conference right now. Uh, yeah, Marion and Riley have two losses in the conference. Adams is 9-0. and uh, Riley so got to do to beat them? Because they lost to John Glenn over the weekend. Yeah. And I didn't think Riley was all that great at Grace when I saw them play, except obviously, you know, except, you know. Blake. Yeah, yeah. except Blake. 
So Riley at Adams, it seems like Adams, unless more pieces for Adams. Yeah, unless Wesley right, goes right off, up. I think Adams is going to wrap that up. Right, right, right. And then Saturday night, Riley's at Mishawaka again. So that'll be Riley's on the list a couple times. Yeah, of, of solid games. But Chesterton, Chesterton and Hammond Tuesday night might be one of the the good ones to check out. Homestead at Carroll on Friday, North North Central at Carroll on Saturday. Are we going to go to those games? Uh, maybe to, shoot an email to, out. To beat a dead horse. Maybe shoot an email out or two. We'll see. Yeah, Probably won't emailed, make it to Fort Wayne. Everybody email Carroll for their games this week. Um, Fort Wayne Blackhawk comes down to Crispus Attics Saturday. And I just kind of put the two games I'm targeted to go going – that I'm targeting going to this week. They, they, that's a 2.30 start. And then Plainfield plays at Silver Creek that night. Um, that uh, that game has all kind of in, intrigue to me. I think that will tell, really tell Plainfield where they are. Because um, obviously Kaufman and Cooper Jacoby match and exceed the, the size that Plainfield puts on the floor. And then they've they've got the really you know they've got the um, you know Brandon um, dang on it what's Brandon's last name um, Northern 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 good mercy I wanted to call him Brandon Bryant but Bryant's his dad's first name really getting old I, I think that's what's happening here yeah Brandon Northern just you know does a really good job of running that team and and he's the kind of quickness that I think Plainfield will have to be able to contend with if they're going to make a run. And even though Silver Creek's 3A, obviously they've got two very talented seniors and a, and a good junior point guard. And, and so if they go down to Silver Creek and beat them, that will be a big message to everybody else for what happens. And it's not that they won't, if, if, even if they get beat by Silver Creek, I think Plainfield still could be really good in March. But, but if they go down there and beat them at Silver Creek, uh, you know, that that's going to really send a message. Blackhawk at Attics will be interesting because uh, Attics just has a lot of bodies. They, uh, Hawkins plays about nine guys. He probably could play 11. He could probably easily play 11. They're going to have issues with first, clearly. You know, and because not – and mainly just because he's such a good passer. And, and then you've got Zane Burke, who, like I said, is – I've probably undervalued him as much as anybody in the state in in terms of how he succeeds in the game. He doesn't just succeed when first finds him. But when teams put a lot of focus around first, then you can bet Burke is, is key to have a really good game. That's his big you know, that's a big chance for him to make plays. I love how he moves out the basketball. So Yeah. So those two games I'm looking forward to seeing on Saturday. Hopefully get a chance to see both of them. I might change my plans based on what, what I need to look at as far as younger guys go. But if I'm just choosing games, those are the two games on Saturday I, I'm looking forward to seeing. So, Anything else before we get to our reads? Uh, I don't think so. I was checking out maybe uh, Gary Westside plays at Andrean on Tuesday also, and then Munster Andrean on Friday night. A couple of big games for Andrean this week. Yeah, that's going to be – yeah. You've, you've got more good games up there than I do down here, it seems like. Um, but again, you know, Carmel Warren Friday night, 
I think I'm going down south Friday night though. Um, but yeah, it's it, there's there's some good games this week. Ready for your your box out sports read? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, box out sports. Box out sports is leading online graphic solution, giving you the ability to create professional content in seconds to highlight your team and student athletes this season. You can sign up for a free demo at boxoutsports.com. And remember, that's not always or not just limited to basketball. Any sport, any sport your high school likes to promote can can be put on there. That gets your hot take ready. All right. We're coming for that. Oh. Court said Indiana podcast is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well as SoundCloud. You could subscribe via each of those apps and have them delivered straight to your phone, tablet, or desktop. If you could see Zach now in his in the video, he's prepping for his hot take. He's stretching, he's twisting, he's contorting. Uh, back to the court size lab. If you can give us a rating and review, we appreciate it. And we certainly appreciate those who listen every week. Our numbers have, have been pretty steady the last few weeks after a, a nice incline. So we, we thank those that listen. We definitely thank those that listen every week. So I will take the lead on hot takes since I know you're saving up for a big one. Uh, this is the weakest hot take I've had. It's, it's a Luke. It's more of a lukewarm take. I like, it's okay. a good take though. My, my hot take of the week will be C.J. Gunn will have another 30-point game this season. Three regular season games left. However many games left in you know, the tournament. Uh, so that's my hot take. My hot take is that C.J. Gunn, who I have said most of the year, still needs to get a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end. Poured 32 into, against Snyder. I think he loves – I think he'll love how that tastes. <clears throat> And I tell you what, he gets going. They're going to be really hard. They're going to be a lot harder to beat with him being aggressive. But I, yeah. I think he will have another 30-point game before the end of this year. All right, go. Your hot take. Let's go. My hot take. Oh, I will not be denied. Take. I will not be denied another game entry this season. <laughs> it's not really a hot take. Oh, oh. Because okay, we've, we've only been denied once. It's not <laughs> – Hot take: Riley upsets Adams Friday night. Oh, man, you're just at, you're undercutting at me. Adams. All at right, Adams. there we go. So your hot take is a game prediction. All right, that's not bad. That's that's actually considering I said it. I think that opens it up for cross examination. So I brought it up. So now that's your hot take. Riley will beat South Bend Adams. At you're gonna make Adams. those. You've been South Bend Adams champion for two years. I know. You're gonna upset them. Nah, I think they'd rather win later on than now. That's true. But but that's still a big game for them. Still a big game. Bragging rights. <laughs> All right, Zach, great job. And uh, like I said, everybody else that listens, uh, we appreciate it. We'll talk to everybody next week. And again, next week we're going to try and do something a little different. And uh, hopefully a couple of you guys will – I think we're going to have a live component next week. So either way, I got to figure out how to handle this Zoom room to make sure – People can't just talk at will. Um, but we'll, we might try a little live component next week and see how that goes. So until next week, have a good week watching games and stay safe on the snow. Hey.